0: Welcome back to the podcast. Today, our guest is uh, Dr. Guy Baker, who is the founder and managing director of Wealth Teams Alliance. Welcome.
1: Well, thank you. It's nice to be here, Gary.
0: So, uh, Dr. Baker, tell us about yourself and kind of how you got to where you are now.
1: Well, like I tell uh, my clients, uh, you know, when we first meet, I said, uh, you know, I'm unmanageable and unemployable. I, I've never done anything else but this. I started when I was in college. I've never had a job, never had a salary.
0: That's interesting.
1: So and what, uh, you know, it's just always been about trying to help people understand and learn about their financial options and then give them, uh, you know, a, a, a you know diversified portfolio, if you will, of options that they can choose from and then help them with the implementation based on what they want to do.
0: Right. So now what's a little bit different with, uh, with your firm than a lot of others is, is that um, you guys call yourself wealth coaches. How is that different than somebody who says that they're a financial planner or a financial advisor?
1: Well, I, what I have found in my experience is that most financial advisors – have a fastball you know they've got one or two things that they really focus on you know it might be retirement it might be uh college education uh, you know it, it could be uh you know helping people just grow their wealth you know there's a number of different avenues the financial planning can take we're much more holistic than that we, we look at both sides of the financial statement we look at the liabilities the risks as well as the opportunities to grow money, and we integrate those together. So we could work with a business owner on their succession plan, retaining key people. We could work with them on a pension plan, a 401k. We could do estate planning, helping them reduce the state taxes. So, we, you know, we've, we've got the skills and the experience and the knowledge to be able to help on the whole waterfront.
0: Oh, that, that's great, because I think that that's you know, many times I preach on the show about making sure you have a team of people to help you and you guys have the whole team there to be able to, to, to help people.
1: Yeah, but I think there's a, an important side of that, Gary, that uh, I would definitely want your listeners to understand is that we're, you know, we're not trying to be the expert in all those areas. We just have a deep understanding and experience with them, and we work with their attorney and their accountant or help them put a comprehensive team together. So we're not trying to be everything uh, in that process.
0: Right. But I guess going back to the whole coaching thing, and many times I, I kind of say that, that I want to be your quarterback, and that's kind of uh, what I think that you guys are doing is you're, you're helping – helping them along the way and helping pull their, their team together to, to make sure everybody's kind of moving in one direction.
1: Yeah, I'd say that's true. One of the things that's distinctive about a coach is that a coach tries to pull the answers out of their client as opposed to give them. You know, a consultant right. gives answers, all right, and right. implements. A coach is working with the, the people to figure out what it is they want to do and help them feel confident that the steps that they're taking are the right steps for them.
0: That's that's good. Um, what are what are some of the, the common mistakes that you see uh, people make when it comes to um, you know gaining their wealth or, or investing?
1: Well, I'd say there are probably at least two mistakes that I think are common. There, N- number one is uh, just you know, the nature of man, if you will, man or woman, right, but people, (laughs) that they're so busy being successful, they don't have time really to pay attention to these types of matters. So as a result of that, they concentrate on making money, instead of keeping it and growing it. So I'd say that, that's probably the most common mistake that we find, because they just don't want to take the time to look at it. They don't know who to delegate the responsibility to. You know, it's like I said to one owner uh, the other day, I said, you know, you've got this wonderful team of executives and you delegate all of the responsibilities of running the company to this team, yet you try and take on the whole responsibility of managing your wealth and your estate plan and your business succession yourself. Why wouldn't you delegate that as well? So that's one mistake. The, the other mistake is that I, I truly find most people have no idea how to invest. You know, they, they instinctively feel like, you know, they've got one or two things that they understand and know, but when it comes to diversification, they have no idea. And most people, from my experience, chase return in the market as opposed to waiting for it to come to them. Hmm. Okay.
0: Now, what are some of the questions when, when clients are coming into to you, um, what are some of the questions that, that you wish that they would ask, but they're not?
1: Well, I think that most people haven't had enough experience or knowledge to really even know what to ask, frankly. Uh, but I, I, th- I think one of the differences uh, that I've found is, is that it's very difficult for them to distinguish who to trust. Mm-hmm. And because they don't know who to trust, they tend to trust the person they like the most.
0: Right. And
1: while it's important to have that chemistry in that relationship, oftentimes that chemistry and relationship, that comfort, if you will, uh, overrides any good sense in what they should be doing. Uh, my job as a coach is to make them uncomfortable. And if I make them uncomfortable, and they want to go to somebody that makes them comfortable, it doesn't mean that they're going to get the best service or the best answers.
0: Right. Now, when you say that that you that you make them uncomfortable, how is it that you do this?
1: Well, there's three things that most uh, three questions that most people can't answer, and when you start asking questions that they can't answer. It, you know, you have to be very careful with that because a lot of people are very sensitive and they don't want to feel like you're making them stupid, <laughs> right. you know, which I never want to do. That's not the point, but they oftentimes will go there anyway. And so it's, the, that's where the discomfort comes in is because you're as, asking questions that they really don't know the answers to, or haven't really thought about. Now that doesn't mean they can't, it just means they haven't because they're so busy being successful. But those three questions are, number one is, you know, what's your number? Uh, how much money do you really need to have in order to be able to feel comfortable and confident in retirement that you're gonna make it through life expectancy plus five or seven or 10 years because most people are living beyond their life expectancy if, if they've got good health and they've taken care of themselves. The second question is, you know, given what my number is, how much more do I have to be setting aside in order to be able to reach that number? And then the third question is, how do I do it? I mean, where do I invest it? What, what is the best investment program for me that gives me the highest probability of reaching my objectives and sustaining my income in a, you know, in a stable, consistent manner through retirement?
0: I, I mean, (laughs) never, you know, kind of sit back and think about that. And I know lots of times when when you probably ask the people about what their number is, even if they've thought about it, they probably still don't know truly what their number is. Um, how, how do you help them come up with, you know, what that number is?
1: Well, that's just a fact-finding process. Uh, you have to look at what their lifestyle is, what they want their lifestyle to be in the future. You got to extrapolate, Uh, you know, the medical risks that are involved now with dementia and long-term care, uh, you know, there are a lot of factors that go into that. And of course, the number uh, that we come up with isn't going to be the real number, you know, but at least it's closer to the number that that the one that they're working with. I think, I mean, just, you know, think about it. If you need $200,000 a year in retirement and you're going to live 20 years, let's say that's $4 million. Right. So you can discount that with some type of, uh, you know, tax-adjusted cash flow, but still, it's probably way more than they think
0: it is. Right. And that's and that's exactly what I was getting ready to say. And I think lots of times when, when people think about retirement, they're not thinking like you said about the long-term care um, and things like that. Um, you know, and, and I think it's probably one of their biggest fears is, am I going to have enough money uh, in retirement?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I think gives me the greatest joy in working with people is they come in scared, you know, wondering if they've got enough and, you know, what their uh, retirement years are going to be look lo- looking like because they know, you know, that there's going to come a point in time where they can't make any more money and they've got to make what they have last. And so what I'm able to do then is to take you know, their current assets. We can figure out what they're likely to grow to, what their other income streams are, and show them that if they're reasonable in their expectations, that they have more than enough to make it through retirement. Right.
0: Um, You know, and I think that the, your idea of of asking questions is great because I know many times, um, you know, when I have, you know, new clients come in and I start asking questions of them. You know, they are surprised that that somebody's actually asking questions and, and wanting to know what they think and and feel and so forth, because they're just used to, like you said, somebody being a consultant and just telling them things instead of actually listening to to what they what they want. Um, so in that in that vein, what from a um, helping people get to, to where they want to be, Do you, when do you usually um, get a chance to start working with them?
1: Well, the process generally is an introductory uh, session. And one of the things that I've found is, is that there are basically two types of um, people that come in. You know, people who are right-brained and left-brained. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, the left-brainers are you know, very mathematical, probability-oriented. They they believe in formulas. They believe in present value and future value and, you know, interest assumptions and what have you. The right brainers are all over the place, and they're, they're very emotional. And so what we've found is is that most of the people who work with us are left brainers. Uh, We we have very few right brainers and it's not because we don't love right brainers. (laughs) They're wonderful people and very creative. The problem is, is that they, they get scared. And when they get scared, they get drawn off to the, you know, latest shiny thing. And so they'll bounce around and they don't have what I would call, you know, the staying power, the long-term loyalty that's needed in order to be able to make it through. Whereas the left brainers, You know, understand markets go up, markets go down, everything's not perfect, it's not going to always work out the way you think it's going to work out, but that they trust the system, they trust the process. So anyway, to answer your question then, uh, I want to get to know them well enough in that first meeting to know whether they're the right brainers or the left brainers, okay? And if they're the left brainers, usually what I'll do is give them some type of an education in terms of what we do, how we do it. Uh, how we manage money. And if they're comfortable with that, then they'll usually say, well, what's our next step? And our next step would be then to do a good fact finder, figure out exactly where they're going and uh, what they want to do. I had a client opportunity here not too long ago, uh, definitely a left brainer. Uh, He'd mapped out his whole entire life and he wanted somebody to verify that his numbers were right. He didn't care about the investment philosophy and so we didn't have a match because unfortunately, uh, you know for him, I think, is that he was placing much more importance on the spreadsheet and the numbers than he was on how he was going to get there. Gotcha. But, uh, and so, as a result of that, we we didn't engage. but so there has to be two things. There has to be you know an understanding and reliance on the forecasts, and then there has to be an understanding and reliance on the process, the investment process.
0: I, I kind of what I just heard you heard you say is is that you guys build relationships with people and it and they are not a transaction to you, which I think is important.
1: Absolutely, Gary. That's uh, that's true. Uh, you know, I, I consider everybody we work with a dear friend. Uh, you know, I'm committed to them and I want to do everything I possibly can to make sure they're successful.
0: Yeah, I think I. I think people, you know, need to understand, and and I like it that you know you said, hey, this just wasn't a match for us, and you you don't take them on because many people would would try to take them on as a client and then try to change them, and I think that it's that it's good, um, and it, to me that shows that that you guys have a a successful business because of the fact that you know you just don't take everybody and i think that that's important i think same thing as as an individual um if they don't feel that it's a good fit between the two of you that they don't engage so it's kind of both ways
1: yeah, totally both ways. And uh, frankly, it's more th- their way not wanting to work with us than us not wanting to work with them. You know, th- the fellow I was just telling you about, I, you know, I would have gladly worked with him, but he, you know, didn't feel confident and comfortable in the process because he wanted us to focus on something that really is not relevant, and he
0: felt it was. Right, right. So you've been doing this a long time. Um, yes. yeah. <laughs> what, what is it, I mean, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started out? If you could go back to your younger self, what what, what advice would you give yourself? So
1: when I started in this business, I was in college, okay, and, and worked part-time while I was going to college, and then when I got an MBA and finished graduate school was when I came in full-time, and I really had a dream that we would do both sides of the financial statement. The problem was, back then, there wasn't any education and there wasn't any real uh, knowledge that I felt confident with and and was ethical. And I'm not saying it was unethical, but but ethical in my value system where I could sit with you, Gary, and say, look, you do this. And I, I know this is gonna work out for you if you stick with this over the next 30, 40, 50, 60 years, you know, whatever, whatever the time frame would have been. I couldn't find that. So I set that aside and just concentrated on the risk side of the financial statement. And it wasn't until like 25 years later that I learned what we do today and was you know, taught a methodology based on five Nobel prizes that we've followed uh, rigorously ever since. And in fact, the reason I got a PhD uh, at the age of 70 (laughs) was (laughs) because the the program was based on exactly how we manage money, and it gave me a chance to really dig into the rudiments of what we do. So to to answer your question, my younger self, I wish I had understood investments and money management as I do today when I was 25, because if I if I would understood that we would be, you know, have an entirely different practice probably today than I have, but you know, that's not mine to control. I, I, I fully believe in a Supreme God, you know, has a plan for all of our lives.
0: Yeah, That's true. And, and we have to understand that we don't, we don't always have control, right? No. Yeah.
1: I'm not in control of what I'm not in control of. Right.
0: Um, If I guess from a, you know, one of the things you said earlier was about, um, you know, finding people that you trust and, and making sure that, um, you know, that you, that you work with them, how, how can somebody go about finding out, um, you know, if whoever, you know, their, their coach or their advisor, um, that they're thinking about working with, how can they check on them to make sure that, um, you know, they don't have any, you know, bad things that they've done in their past or anything like that? How, how can somebody check out um, somebody to, to find out?
1: Well, there is the FINRA uh, website you can go on and you can look up uh, the advisor and see what their track record is. The, pr- the problem is a lot of times that that doesn't really answer the question whether you can trust them, but it, it certainly will show if there are any issues that came up in their career that, you know, needs to be explained. Um, and, uh, you know, I just know personally, you can get things on your FINRA report that aren't true. Uh, right. And you can't correct them. Uh, so you have to have a discussion about it. But, you know, anybody that's been in the business a long time probably is going to have something in their past. So it, it's, it's not, I guess all I'm saying is it's not definitive, but it's a place to start. Um, The second thing is, is that in this age of privacy, um, you know, it's hard to get references. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, people don't wanna necessarily be revealed or disclosed or whatever. So, you know, if a uh, advisor, you know, has one or two or three apostles uh, within their database that are willing to talk uh, candidly about their relationship with the advisor, that would be good to have those interviews. Uh, we we work with a lot of attorneys and accountants, and so when somebody asks for a referral, I usually give them an attorney or an accountant or two to talk to. But you know, we have clients that are more than willing to step up and say, "Hey, you know, this has been a great experience." So, right. anyway, you know, trust is one of, is a very difficult thing because you you know you can't make it happen. You know, trust is all about. Uh, who you are as a person and you know your track record and I think you know you you certainly have a lot of credentials you know I've got three master's degrees and a PhD you know I've got a lot of credentials you know all of the designations that doesn't mean anything either if you can't apply it so it's it's really a personal consideration it's eyeball to eyeball one-on-one
0: So what are some of the the challenges that you guys are facing, uh, you know, right now?
1: You know, I uh, I think the biggest challenge in my mind uh, is staying the course. You you know, the the five Nobel prizes and the efficient market theory and all of that has been, um, you know, so well documented and so well written about through the years. You know, and you look at what's happening in our economy today. Uh, you know, inflation, the threat of rising interest rates, uh, the broken supply chain, the impact that's going to have on GDP. And, you know, there's it, it, there's a the real tendency to want to pull in your horns a little bit. But yet, you know, there is absolutely no evidence that market timing works at all. So I'm trying to, to stay the course, but do it in a way that uh, is not going to put any of our clients at risk because uh, you know they' most of our clients are 55 60 they're either nearing retirement or in retirement and you know we have to protect their assets so we're you know looking for all of the ways we can to protect the assets that are compatible with their
0: investment philosophy gotcha okay um, and we've covered a lot of stuff times times flying by here what um, What question did I, have I not asked you that you wish I had?
1: Well, I think we've covered the waterfront pretty well here. Uh, You know, I guess the question is, uh, you know, how do you, how do you ever feel confident making the final decision as to who you want to work with? Uh, And I'd say the answer to that question is, you know, it takes time. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and if you make a mistake, then not only do you lose that time, but you also lose the, you know, the results of that period of time. Uh, I had a doctor I talked to yesterday. He says, my, my account hasn't grown at all in the last two years. Well, he's lost two years of time. Uh, you know, I mean, I know the market's gone up over that period of time and right. we are the market. So, but, but I, I don't want to scare him. you know, but, but I also don't want to be, uh, you know, lack candor with him at the same time. So there's, you know, it just, it's not an easy problem. It's not an easy solution, but uh, it's certainly one worth pursuing.
0: Right. So if our listeners like what they've heard um, and they want to talk to you and, and get some coaching advice from you, how can they reach out to you?
1: Well, the first thing I would do is go on our website. We've got a very comprehensive website with a lot of vi- educational videos. Uh, it's wealth-teams.com, and uh, you know that that would be a good place to start. And if they like what they see and they like, uh, you know, what uh, what's presented there, uh, I'm easy to find. My phone number and uh, emails on the website.
0: Great, Dr. Baker. We really appreciate your time today, um, and you know learned a lot.
1: Well, thank you, Gary. It's been wonderful to have this opportunity. I love your questions.
0: Great. Thank you. Today, our guest was Dr. Guy Baker, who's the founder and managing director of the Wealth Team Alliance. See you next week.
1: This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC.